Here we go. New series, Discovering Joy. Next week, we're going to talk about the joy that we have that comes through serving. And then the week after that is the joy we have in believing. But today we're talking about joy in suffering. Hmm, nice. Now, those two words, they don't really seem like they go together, right? They seem incompatible, joy and suffering, seem like opposites. But what we will learn today and throughout this series is that joy is not conditional. It's not situational. It's not based on circumstances. It is eternal. It's everlasting because our joy is found in Jesus Christ. Now, joy is different than happiness. You see, happiness is good, but it's temporary. Happiness can fade. Someone give me an example of something that makes, it, makes you happy and how it eventually goes away. What is something that makes you happy, but that happiness ultimately fades? Give me an example. And while you're doing that, I have an example for you. Uh, plants. I love plants when they're alive. I love them when I first get them. I love when they grow. I love the idea of seeing this baby plant grow into a big adult plant. <laughs> but what happens? Well, in my hands, they start to turn brown. And my happiness starts to shake a little bit. And then some leaves fall off. And branches break. And then I think that I watered it too much. So I stop watering it, and it gets worse. So then I drown that sucker, and it gets what? Worse. And eventually the plant is simply a reminder of how bad I am at keeping plants alive. And in fact, uh, it tends to be a better reminder of suffering than of happiness. See, that, yeah, 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 see, Don, you get it, flowers, exactly. Happiness is an emotion, and it comes and goes based on our circumstances. But joy is different. I just want to point out how ironic it is that the really cool graphic we have for this series is of plants. <laughs> so when you see those, see those as a reminder that happiness is fleeting, but joy is everlasting. Hmm? There you go. All right. See, joy is different than happiness because it stays, it sticks, it never retreats. And we may at times ourselves retreat from joy, but joy in itself is constant. It runs deeper and stronger than happiness. It's that quiet, confident assurance of God's love and work in our lives. The assurance that he will be there no matter what. Because happiness depends on happenings, but joy depends on Christ. I really hope you wrote that down if you have your pencil or paper, because uh, if you don't, I'm going to feel like I'm a little rusty or something. You see, happiness depends on happenings, but joy depends on Christ. So as we start this series, we're going to do together a little self-assessment. All right. Any social workers out there are like, yes, this is what we're going to do. Grab your pen and paper. I'm not asking you to share this with anyone. This is just for you. Now, being deeply honest with yourself. Looking at your innermost being, do you consider yourself to be a joyful person? Are you filled with joy? So on a scale of 1 to 10, answer this question, how joyful are you? To help you understand that scale, here's the guideline. Zero means you are completely without joy. 
10 would be that your joy radiates off your, your body like a, like axe spray off of a teenager. You enter a room, everyone knows that you are deeply joyful. And then five would be something like you feel joy on the inside, but it might not always move outside your skin. Or your sense of being joyful maybe fluctuates and changes based on your circumstances. So be deeply honest with yourself and don't feel guilty wherever your number is because this will prove helpful as we move throughout this series. Zero to ten, how joyful of a person are you? Here's the reality. Life is really hard and we are really imperfect. And we sometimes forget that what we have in Christ, it's not some fleeting happiness that fades and breaks, but what we have is an unshakable joy that is found in him and him alone. The world can beat us down and try and make us forget our joy, but that's not who we are going to be here at Hope. We will be known for our joy. So, we are diving into Philippians to discover joy together. For we are a joy-filled people, and it is time for us to reclaim that as a key part of our identity as followers of Christ. Are you ready to dive in? If so, I want you to say, I'm ready. Let's grab our Bibles. We're going to turn to Philippians. It's in the New Testament, about seven-tenths of the way through the Bible. Uh, and it's right after Ephesians. It's right before Colossians. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 1. So, Philippians, as you and I know, it is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. He wrote this around 61 AD. This is about 10 years after he first went there, as we read about in Acts, our last series. Uh, he, he wrote this letter from Rome while he was in prison. So the purpose of this, it was to thank the Philippians for a, a generous gift they sent, but more than that, it was to encourage them and to strengthen the believers by sharing the true joy that comes from Jesus Christ alone. Ultimately, Philippians is a letter of joy. The concept of rejoicing or of being joyful, uh, it appears 16 times in just four chapters. The, the pages radiate this positive message that culminates in the exhortation to always rejoice and be full of joy in the Lord. So let's open God's word together today. We're going to start uh, with verse 1 through 14, and then we're kind of going to hop through a little bit from there. So let's hear the word of the Lord. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. Now I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and the deacons. May God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, give you grace and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, he'll continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you. 
for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more, that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always, always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that Everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Just a quick pause there. Do you remember when we read through the book of Acts how when Paul was in prison, they were singing praises of worship to God. This was right after he was beaten. And, and then the, 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 there's a crazy, you know, kind of like the door is open and their chains are loosed and the prisoner is so afraid that all the prisoners left and Paul cries out and says, we're still here. And then he and his whole family believe in God. Right? That joy was that testimony and that, 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 that amazement. And that was part of what began the church in Philippi, the church that Paul here is connecting with. So when he says again in Rome, guess what? This whole place knows I'm here because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence. He's doing the good work while he is imprisoned. Now let's move on to verse 20. We're going to deal with the other part um, uh, later this week in our devotions. So verse, verse 20. I fully expect and hope I will never be ashamed, but I will continue to be bold for Christ, as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. And then down to 27. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again, or I only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know I am still in the midst of it. May God bless this reading of his word. And just to answer your question there, Gary, thanks for asking. This was the New Living Translation. So that's what we read from this morning, the NLT. 
So looking back to the beginning of this uh, letter here, Paul, there's no question about it. He loves the people in Philippi. I mean, look at verse 3. He thanks God every single time he thinks of them. I mean, I don't know about you. There are people that when I think of them, I think certain things, but I can't necessarily say I'm always thanking God for them. (laughs) See, Paul's setting this bar high for us, isn't he? I mean, every time these people clearly meant something incredibly dear to him, if he is thanking God every time he thinks of them. And then verse 4 tells us that when he prays for them, he does it with joy. It's the first of many times Paul uses the word joy in this letter. And so every time Paul thinks of his friends at Philippi, he is filled with joy and he thanks God for them. Let's reflect for a minute. Who in your life, when you think of them, allows you to be filled with joy? Who are those joy bringers in your life? If you want to share, I'd love for you to share. Because these are some special people. Now Paul, he blesses this church in Philippi by sharing with them that they are a source of joy for him. So if you have not shared with your people, your joy bringers, what they mean to you, then seriously, I encourage you to do so today. Because the first main point, the first main thing I want you to remember about this message this morning is this. There is nothing selfish or private about joy. Joy is meant to be shared and meant to spread. In fact, joy is never solitary because it always involves someone else, namely Jesus, but also through God's people. So nothing selfish or private about joy. So Paul remembers his friends in Philippi with joy. Remember Lydia. And from the women's prayer group, and also the jailer and his whole family, the woman who had a demon cast out of her. That is the beginning of the church in Philippi. He remembers them with joy because of their dear friendship, their like-mindedness, and their ongoing faithfulness. And did you catch what he said in verse 8? God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. Oh man, that's beautiful. Share with your joy bringers what they mean for you today. And you know what, men? I'm talking to you too because uh, this isn't just some girly thing where we talk about feelings. That's not what we're talking about. This is a human thing where we honor the people that mean something in our lives. So look at Paul's word here and what he is saying. Paul was a man's man, all right? And he is sharing these things. So I encourage you to share what they mean to you, for that joy will then grow and spread, because that's what happens with joy. And it will become such a gift to those very people that have gifted you with their joy in your life. So if you've worshipped with us before, it's likely you've heard us reference Philippians 1.6. It's kind of one of the favorites around here, at least for me. And, and this is the beautiful truth that articulates. It actually ties in with our core value of continuous growth. It says this, that it basically is saying that the God who began a good work within us, he will continue it throughout our lifetime. And he will finish it when we meet him face to face. See, God's work for us, It began when Christ died on the cross in our place. But his work within us 
It began when we first believed. See, the Holy Spirit lives in us, enables us to be more like Christ every single day. And Paul, he's basically describing the process of Christian growth and maturity that began when we accepted Jesus and will continue until Christ returns. So this begs the question, do you sometimes feel, do you sometimes feel as though you're not making progress in your spiritual life? Do you ever feel like you are stuck or that you are in a rut? See, when God starts a project, he completes it. Any of you out there, one of those people who are great at starting projects, but it's hard for you to finish them? Thankfully, that's not our God. See, uh, as with the Philippians, God will help you grow in grace until he has completed his work in your life. Now, he will continue to draw you near to him when it's hard for you to feel that joy that we have in him. And when you are discouraged, remember, God won't give up on you. He will never give up on you. He promises to finish the work that he has begun. When you feel incomplete, when you feel unfinished or distressed by your shortcomings, remember God's promises and provision. Don't let your present condition rob you of the joy of knowing Christ or from it keeping you from growing closer to him. This brings us to the second main thing I'd love for you to remember from this morning, and it's this. The source of our joy is Jesus Christ. Draw near to him, and he and his joy will draw near to you. See, to know him is to know joy. To be known by him is reason for joy. The very fact that we are alive right now, our heart is beating, we are breathing that is a gift from God, and for that, we ought to respond in joy. To know that when we die, if we believe in Jesus Christ, if we are sorry for our sins and profess him as Lord, he saves us. He saves us from sin. He saves us from a life of eternal punishment and hell. And in him, we have the assurance of his promise. We will be saved right now and forever and be welcomed into a loving, joy-filled relationship for all time in life and the afterlife with him. That, my friends, is reason for joy. Because joy is not some fleeting emotion. It's a core characteristic of any who profess Jesus Christ as Lord. If we profess Jesus Christ as Lord, if we seek to love and live like him, we have, we have received the everlasting gift of joy. So why? Why don't we always feel joyful? If that's true, and I believe it's true, why don't we always feel joyful? What do you think? I mean, if we have an everlasting and eternal joy that doesn't fade because it's found in our eternal and everlasting God, then our little scale of 1 to 10, shouldn't we all be 10s all the time? But we know that's just not how life works, is it? 
No. See, in our human experience, we experience a wealth of emotions, uh, of, of hardships, of difficulties. And in the midst of all that, we can very easily and honestly, understandably lose sight of the very good and perfect gifts we have in Christ. And then we read passages like this, and it tells us to be joyful, and we think, no way. How could I in what I'm dealing with right now? How can I? Are you there today? Do you find yourself in that place today? Raise your hand if you do. I can't see it, but God can. He knows. Who's there today? Because then we read this passage. We remember Paul. We remember that Paul wrote this. He wrote this while he's in jail. He wrote this likely with a Roman soldier chained to him. Paul, who had been beaten and bruised so many times. Right here, right now in a Roman jail, Paul is writing the most joy-filled, encouraging, and upliftings of anything he wrote. And you realize that Paul understands as acutely as we do how hard life can be. He understands suffering, and yet he somehow was filled with this deep and profound joy. That's because it brings us to our third thing, our final thing I really want you to remember today. Joy transcends circumstance. Like we said earlier, happiness depends on happenings, but joy depends on Christ. We're not the source of joy. Our circumstances are not the source of joy. Jesus Christ is the source of our joy. The three things to remember are this. There's nothing selfish or private about joy. The source of our joy is Jesus Christ, so draw near to him, and he and his joy will draw near to you. And finally, joy transcends circumstance. Uh, I don't know about you, but being imprisoned, I think, would cause me to become bitter or to give up. I think it would be the case for many people. But Paul saw this as an opportunity to spread the good news of Christ. Paul realized that his current circumstances were not as important as what he did with them. We can let our circumstances determine our mindset, or we can allow our mindset to determine how we will navigate our circumstances. Paul could have become depressed, discouraged, disillusioned. He could have wallowed in self-pity and despair, but instead, he regarded his imprisonment as being appointed by God. In fact, God has used Paul's imprisonment in Rome to bring the gospel to the center of the empire, as well as to give Paul a lot of time to write these letters that would one day end up in the New Testament and give us so much teaching and encouragement. Verse 29 has Paul saying this, Paul considered it a privilege to suffer for Christ. He knew God was using him to do something extraordinary. A privilege to suffer for Christ. None of us want to suffer. 
None of us. We don't tend to think of that as a privilege. And yet, when we suffer, if we remain faithful in our walk with Christ, God will use it to bless us and bless others. We don't often talk about this, but suffering actually has benefits. That's weird, right? But if we're able to pull back from the pain and take a look, we may just see that suffering, it takes our eyes off of earthly comforts, and it reorients us to God and his ways. That in our suffering, we are strengthened in our faith as we endure. And in our suffering, it serves as an example to any who may follow us. Because we have a joy that cannot be stripped away. Sometimes we run from it. Sometimes we pile things on top of it, kind of like that, that chair in your bedroom that you throw all your laundry on, and you kind of forget the chair's there for sitting, but it's there for all your laundry. We can forget that we have a joy by covering it up with all our dirty laundry and all our junk and our pain and what we're going through. But that joy is always there. And if you draw close to God, he will reveal that joy to you. Because we have a joy that cannot be taken away. And in this suffering, God gives us gifts. These gifts that are reminders of his goodness, that point us back and bring us back to joy. Just like all the things you guys listed ab above, that of the joy bringers in your life. For me, what is it? Well, actually, I want you to answer this. What is it that reminds you of God's gift of joy? What are those daily reminders in the sorrow, in the pain, in the hurt that reminds you of God's joy and his everlasting joy in our lives? Me right now, it's absolutely my family. During this whole quarantine situation, yeah, there have been a lot of stressful times. Yeah, there have been discouraging times. Yeah, I feel like a prison in my own house sometimes. And yet, all it takes is one giggle from my boys. Or just looking at this precious baby girl who's like this big. And as sweet as can be. And I'm reminded. More, more in a feeling than honestly in like a thought of the joy that I have in God. When I see my wife care so well and so lovingly and see how God gifted her perfectly for these incredible children, I feel joy. Because God gives us these gifts that remind us of the joy that we have in him. So what is it for you right now that is reminding you of God's gift of joy? Because joy, joy is evidence of Christ in our lives. And joys our inheritance. It's a generous gift given to us. When we thought we would receive death, God gave us life. He gave us freedom. Gave us relationship with our loving Father and our Savior God. What a joyful gift. And joy is also our witness. It is something to share and proclaim because our joy is evidence of Christ in our lives made real, and it is deeply contagious. 
No mask will stop it from spreading. Our joy radiates outside of us the more we feel it. And that is our living testimony because it points to Christ. So when we see and we claim and we proclaim joy in the midst of our suffering and our circumstances, our perspective changes, God's mission advances, and lives are transformed. See, God can and does use any situation for his purposes and glory. Christians are called to be joyful in every circumstance, even when things are going badly, even when we feel like complaining, even when no one else is joyful. We can be sad and joyful at the same time. Because Christ still reigns, and we still know him, so we can rejoice. Because in our hurting, God is our comfort. In our confusion, God is our guide. In our discouragement, God is our hope. Our anxiety, God is our peace. In our weakness, God is our strength. And that is why we, as people of hope, are also people of joy. Claim it today. Claim it right now. Because joy is a strength. It is a weapon against all that may seek to bring you down. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. So whatever, whatever number you wrote down, whatever number you have written down, this is my challenge, my prayer, my hope, my encouragement and belief for you today. My hope, my prayer, is for that number to increase at least by one this week. So do whatever you have to do for that number to increase. What are you going to do this week to increase your ability to see that everlasting and eternal joy that you have? What are some ideas? Share them now. You guys are just, you're, you're as smart, if not smarter than me about this stuff. So, how might we grow in joy this week? Maybe for you it's as simple as reclaiming your joy. Saying, I do have this joy. I claim it again today. Maybe, maybe you need to give yourself permission to feel joy. Because you feel like with everything else going on, it's not okay to feel joy too. Guess what? It is okay. It is always okay to feel joy. Because our joy doesn't fade, it is found in Jesus. Perhaps you need to share what joy you do have with someone else to see that joy increase. What will you do this week? What will you do this week to increase that number by one? I trust God will reveal to you what you need to do in, to increase your joy this week if you draw near to him and you humbly ask. So as we close this message, why don't we do that now? We are going to pray together, and I encourage you to pour your heart out to God. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we pause to give you thanks. You are the source of our joy. And you are, you are joy personified. You are it. And you we find all good and perfect gifts. And we give you thanks, God. We give you thanks that you, the, the God of the universe and everything in it, calls us your child. And you love us dearly. God, you know our hearts. 
You know the hearts of all of us. You know what we feel inside right now. You know what we are thinking. You know our life circumstances. And we are asking you, God, to help us draw closer to you, to reclaim that joy that we have in you. Lord, I pray right now for each person praying that you reveal what we need to do this week so we may feel that joy afresh today and this week. Speak through your spirit, God. Reveal even now in us what it is. Because in you, we have an eternal and everlasting hope. So we ask that our joy may abound and increase, even in the suffering, God. We pray that we will share our joy with others. Not just those that give us joy, but those that we see that need joy. The world needs it now, God. And we have it. So may we be dealers of joy everywhere we go and to everyone we talk to. Help us look past our circumstances, Lord. Help us see you at work in the midst of our circumstances, for you are a good God. And you are always at work. Lord, we just reflect today, too. We reflect as God's people as we pray today, Lord, as we consider tomorrow, Lord, as we think about Memorial Day. God, before you, we honor those who have given the ultimate sacrifice this weekend. We give you thanks for the freedoms we get to experience every single day because of the selfless love and sacrifice of those that have gone before. So we give you thanks, Lord, and we think of those, especially in our lives that we know, that have done this today, Lord. We honor them before you, we commend them before you, and we give you thanks. And Father, too, we think of what's going on in our world and all this stuff that we're navigating. We just pray for your wisdom as your church body. We just pray that uh, you guide us, that, that we seek your will and your wisdom, and that we can act in a way that is honoring and pleasing to you as we continue to be the church in this time. Lord, we pray that you draw near to us as your people. We think especially of those who need you in a special way, for anyone dealing with struggles, anyone who is fighting sickness and has health concerns and, and worries and anxiety. We cast those before you and on you today to ease our burdens, Lord, for you are a God who heals and cares and loves for your people. We think specifically this morning of Sue Johnston, who is at the emergency room even now, Lord. After her eye surgery, and she had to lay down, and she woke up with immense pain in her back and her belly. And now there's fear of her eye surgery, uh, the bubble thing not going well because she had to get up. God, you are in control, and you are in control of all. So we call upon you to bring Sue the healing required to ease her pain, and to have her surgery and the good work from that be maintained, Lord. Pray even now for her comfort, for a clear uh, answer to what is going on, and for simple solutions, Lord, so that she may bounce back quickly and fully healthy, Lord. And we think of all the other needs as well that we offer up to you in the silence of our hearts right now. Gave you thanks for this church, Lord. Give you thanks for the many gifts 
and the work you have called us to. Thank you for Westwood, for this neighborhood to which we are called to serve. Help us experience your joy again afresh today, Lord. We thank you. We love you. We honor you. And we seek to bring you glory. So it is in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that all God's people pray, saying, Amen.